0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? We have got a awesome show for you today. So we're going to dive into what the hell is going on with Bitcoin and is it time for a rotation into alts? The bubbles say maybe. The levels say maybe. That might be where we're at right now. Mr. Corval, the wonderful Mr. Korbal, who where he's going to be wearing a pink hat today, ladies and gentlemen, and reading children's books. But uh, he's <laughs> he did a deep, deep dive into operation choke point and he has got some crazy shit that he's going to reveal to y'all and we're going to be bringing our most favorite DeFi plays of the day today this is an episode you won't want to miss let's get into the show mikey Where's the rest of the gang? Bring the gang up, man. Bring them up. Here we go. You know yeah, what I should yeah. not. You know what I should not do on the intros. I should not say inside jokes and then laugh to myself <laughs> as I'm introing the show. So right before the show, I said, "Corval, here's a show idea for you. Dress exactly like you're dressed right now. Get a little bit drunk and then read children's books and cuss about how poorly written they are. And I, it would just, it would just be an insanely good show."
1: It's I wonder like, how junk- long I'd survive on YouTube. I feel like I would get gutted like immediately. Yeah. It's like drunk <sighs> history. Yeah, although I could make some serious cash if I'm even just in that kid's <laughs> algo for 15 minutes. Bro,
0: that one month that you survived would be <laughs> out. Of, but as somebody with four kids, I can tell you that, you know, like we have that. There's a, a book and it was on YouTube. It's read by Morgan Freeman, but it's called Go the Bleep to Bed. Go the fuck to bed. Uh-huh. And, it, and it's, it's it's a lovely book. Like it, it, it completely follows all of the children's books. And then there's just one line at the bottom. Go the fuck to bed. It's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely hilarious. So, all right, here we go. Here we go. So we've got a lot going on today. We're actually at a very, very interesting uh, pivotal level for the crypto markets. And I want to dive in. So we had, the, uh, we had the, the, not the BNB FUD, the CZ, right? Shit that came out the other day. And if you've been around for a while, you know that there's a common theme generally, if we're in a a positive or a slightly bullish environment, which we currently are, which is that, you know, when the FUD hits, if we get a drop that's fundamental, purely fundamental, not technical, we're probably going to get a retracement from that. And we did we we bounced out of range and we bounced right back into range this morning but something interesting has started happening so i want to i want to point out a couple of things real quick so bitcoin dominance is it may or may not be a metric that you guys are familiar with who watch the show and and i want to we've talked about it yeah we've talked about it a bunch but i want to talk about what it is so it specifically is uh the amount of the total market cap which btc occupies right More importantly, it is a really, really good metric by which you can gauge whether money is moving into altcoins or not. And so I want to pull up the weekly chart because this is important. When when Bitcoin dominance is going down, that means you've got money moving into alts. When Bitcoin dominance is going up, it means that money is moving into Bitcoin. It's really, really quite simple. We're sitting at a level right now that's really, really important, right? So we've come up and tested this one, two, (laughs) three, three four five six times every single time it's broken down and it has triggered uh either it it is generally triggered money flowing into into all coins now this little indicator that i've got here this nifty little indicator it's called lux algo it kind of tells you the strength of these various levels which you can see here right It's these 48 19.295 billion this is a very very strong level uh, which you can see based upon this. It's been tested a number of times. And so what's happening when you get to these types of levels or anyone that's, that's a technical trader is going to assume oh. we're going to get a small rotation. And that is exactly what has started happening in the alts. Now, this is definitely something that could break through. All right. I don't I don't want to sit here and say, okay, we're definitely going to get a rejection from this level. However, a lot of alts versus their BTC pairs are in buy zones. They're in really excellent zones. uh, And so it does look as though we're starting to get a little bit of a rotation. Now, this is important. Kind of the the best case scenario here, uh, you know, is either Bitcoin crabs within, you know, a small range, maybe a thousand dollar range. Or it goes on a slight, um, a slight higher high, slight higher low. It goes into a slight trend, right? Just kind of ranging in the same area, which gives alts time to pop. Now, this in and of itself, you know, I would take caution uh, because we definitely Bitcoin's been on a tear. It's been magnificent recently. But I want to show you guys another chart that you really, really should understand how it works and it is the dixie chart now the dixie is is basically a basket of currencies against the u.s dollar and this works generally inverse to your risk on assets right so if the if the dollar is strengthening your risk on assets are going down and if the dollar is going down your risk on assets are generally going to go up now what's so important about this level as you can see i have a couple things circled here right and this is this goes back to 2017 you don't
2: have it pulled up, brother it's, now you now
0: it's pulled up. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Thought I was on the same thing. So this is the Dixie chart. So you've got a couple things here circled. And if you go back to January of 2017, that was a rejection. And then if you go over here to uh, looks like middle of 2020, we weren't quite there yet, but the bull market did kick off, I would say somewhere in this area here, right? And so if we break down back down into this range, that's going to be a major thing. And there's a lot of headwinds uh, right now for the U.S. dollar. So if you kick over to you know some of your, your BTC pairs of random charts, let's just pull up Phantom here for a second. You can see Phantom caught a bid last night, starting right down here. XRP, for whatever reason, is running. Uh, yeah. I don't know if the market's trying to tell us that something's about to come out with their court case. Do you guys have any info on this?
2: We, we talked about it yesterday, just more so, like, is it foreshadowing or is it speculation? It's, and, all, um,
1: it's tag on, Clay. I, you know, I, I, I meant to send you this after the show, but I saw an article where it was saying that people thought that in that um, the SEC lawsuit against, or the CFTC charge against Binance, them listing Ethereum, Litecoin and Bitcoin as commodities was somehow bullish for the Ripple case uh i think that's a pretty loose one not necessarily
0: actually and here's the argument uh because clay and i we we kind of went down this rabbit hole when we had ellie ellie on uh beyond the block ages ago Mm -hmm. and that ethereum did an ico right and this a lot of it hinges upon this here. ethereum did an ico ripple never did they gave away a crap load of tokens um and they they sold tokens on the secondary market and so this a lot of this hinges upon the distribution method i mean this is one part of it but if they come out and they say okay ethereum is a commodity and, and i think the, the reasoning they would use for that is is its level of decentralization at this point um it basically is they're basically skipping over the fact that they did an ico right they yep. sold tokens in exchange for money and that's something ripple never did mm-hmm. uh, and so that's an interesting you know part of this case but if look if if xrp wins this case this is massive for yeah. all of cryptocurrency we need this like this is mm-hmm. something that we need and gensler's going in front he's he's pitching for his budget today i believe yep. in the senate to try and Two get o'clock. paid so
1: oh i gotta see that dude yep
0: yeah. and so we might we might actually get some moves here but so you guys will notice something uh in around crypto twitter is that there still happens to be a bearish sentiment and that's really really important for our move up. And I, and I want to show you guys uh, a couple of things. So this is the liquidation dashboard uh, from CoinGlass. It shows that, you know, in the last in the last 24 hours, we had $131 million uh, get liquidated. But more importantly, I want to play a video for you guys. Now, this is a paid site. Uh, it's called Bitcoin.live. They're not a sponsor. We don't get anything for talking about them. It's just it's a group of some of the best traders uh, anywhere. And they do regular updates once or twice a week with their thoughts on the Bitcoin market. And so I want to play this for you. This is from a guy named Bob Lucas, uh, L-O-U-K-A-S, I believe. You can find him on Twitter. You can find him a lot of places. Go Google him. Uh, He's no bullshit. And I just want to play with you or or play to you. play with you. That's weird. Uh, (laughs) what, What he says in the first minute of this
3: video. So here we go. Hello, Bitcoin Live. Bob Lucas, Wednesday morning. Hope you're doing well. It's going to be a short report because I'm going to do a four-year cycle video today. So I'm preparing for that. But look, the way I see this, I look at this monthly, I look at the four-year cycle that's uh, now in month three. This is a very bullish, very powerful chart. This is what guides me right now. Then I zoom down into the weekly and I see a trend that's developed here, higher highs, higher lows. Um, clearly, the bear market decline is well and truly over, but the market in general sentiment mostly feels still very negative. And that's great. That's what you always see climbing out of a new uh, bull market coming off a bear market low. We saw that in prior markets where there was just this wall of worry, plenty of reason to be bearish. This cycle, it's way worse than what it was last cycle in 2019. 2019, we were just conditioned to be punished over 12 or 15 months into that low, and people just couldn't believe that we could rally. This time around, we have that same dynamic, but we also have all of the FUD. We actually have an attack in general on the rails, the traditional finance rails of crypto and Bitcoin itself. But Bitcoin is basically saying, as far as I'm concerned, screw you. I don't care about all the grifters.
1: Austin, you're muted.
0: You know, I do that, man. I I think some days my wife wishes she had a mute button for me. All (laughs) right. So, so, but this is really, really important because those shorts are fuel for this, right? If we saw everyone just immediately flipping bullish, like overnight, it would probably be a red flag. And I've seen people say that in the past. And of course, you know, I'm the perma bull. So I'm like, ah, screw you guys. It's not a red flag. It was a red flag, right? It totally was. But in this particular case, you know, based upon you look at the shorts liquidation dashboard and you see, you know, this is fuel for us to move higher. When these folks are getting liquidated, their position is getting sold and and that is fuel for us to move higher. So these are good things. These are good things. And I think the fear and greed index was somewhere around 57 uh, this morning on greed. So I want to I want to talk a couple a little bit real quick, if we can, about what is maybe driving this. And you know, we talk about we mention China like on every single show, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty interesting. Weeks, yeah.
1: This is the China but, show.
0: But the, the the Chinese central bank is adding liquidity and it's doing it through the reverse repo. Uh, which you know what I probably should have gotten like a, a good definition for you guys <laughs> before we started this show as to what this is, but this is liquidity entering the market, and it's not just uh china doing this right the feds doing it you've got the ecb doing it there liquidity is re-entering into the market and i saw a chart the other day um and it was talking about the number of deposits that were moving out of your big banks in the united states right and where it was showing is that the the level of dollars in money markets right now is pushing an all-time high it was like five point something trillion yeah this is good because that's cash on the sidelines that is is money ready to deploy uh when the market warrants and so that's you know definitely something worth looking at now 28k is a big level uh mm-hmm. it's a big big level ted talks macro if you don't follow this guy you should totally follow this guy then we broke
1: 28k uh, earlier i thought we already we broke 28k we broke
0: it and and we got rejected uh oh, but man. we're currently sitting above it now i In my personal opinion, like I would see the top of this range as really being the one we want to blast through, which is like Mm -hmm. 28,700. But nevertheless, important things, important things. So uh, the market's at a pivotal point. Keep an eye on your Bitcoin dominance right now. Uh, Bitcoin dominance is going to be the key. Uh, Notice what's happening, right? We're, and that's on the 15 minute chart. looks to be going down. Watch what happens with your alts uh, when that starts to drop. So this may be. This may be the rotation that we've been waiting on for a while.
1: Hell yeah. I'm looking forward to it. The rotation. What did your cat do right before this show, dude? You were called yelling the, at your cat. Called the fuck out of my shirt. <laughs> this nice shirt, dude. It's uh, <laughs> got it from Banana Republic. It's <laughs> all nice and soft. She was sitting on my lap. For some reason, you just decided to claw the shit out Just rip some threads out. Ruthless Sweet little Jesus. Crib. My God, man. My God. So, uh <laughs> last chart I
0: want to show you while we're on this topic is is this one from from a guy named the real plan c great great account to follow he he went off on some celsius shit for a little while he's back producing some really cool glass node charts Mm -hmm. uh where are we in the cycle cross coming in the next five to seven days so this is the short-term holder liveliness chart meaning i believe what that means is the coins are moving uh, and versus the long term, long term holder. When we get a when we get across, you can notice that it, it generally sent the market. And we are going to be getting across here in the next, from what he says, five to ten days. So, take that for what it's worth. Clay's back. What a bathroom up? run. Yep. Little, little driving, a little liquid there. Clay, are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
2: think for me, all this indicates, and and if you're still here it's been a, you know, it's been a long eight, 12 months. And if you're still here, uh, and you're not in the positions you want to be in, I think it's time to get in the positions you want to be in. That's, that is my focus and has been my yeah. focus for the last you know couple months. And, and I literally, I reallocated everything. Like I repositioned myself, uh, to positions of strength that I believe in. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the patience will pay off and we will, we will get through you know all the flood and all the rest of the crap. It seems like Bitcoin, Bitcoin don't care. So mm-hmm. that's know, it. I think and
0: anyone that was here, dude, if y'all were here during the, the COVID crash, like it felt almost identical. Like we, we went down to, you know, 3,800 or whatever it was. And that climb from 38 to 10 K was like grueling. We were turning around and I was scared. Like I, you know, I had loaded up on Phantom. Phantom wasn't moving. Like, what the hell's going on? Should I exit this? You know, and because I was, I was listening to crypto Twitter. Uh, which, if you're watching the show, you're probably doing the same shit. So sorry for that. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but it was frightening. And my point being, and, and again, this is another, you know, Bob Lucas quote: is don't, don't get caught up trying to time the market. Don't get caught up trying to sell resistance for the hope that you're going to get to to buy back lower. If when this sucker runs, you're going to get left behind. Uh, is the bottom line. So in you know for what I'm doing, just with whatever works for me, I'm just positioning, uh, and that's what I've been doing. And I've positioned close to twenty percent of my portfolio, about eighteen percent of my portfolio on a new token that we're going to mention that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I've been accumulating it. I've mentioned on Twitter. I haven't like directly named what that token is, but I'm going to share that with you guys towards the end of the show. Awesome. Boom. I didn't know we were going to wear the same shirts today. This is uh, it's nice. <laughs> bro, this is a shirt called true classic. This is a true. Cl- are you wearing a true classic shirt? I don't, I don't know. This came from Macy's. I don't know what it is. Then, then we are not wearing the shit. <laughs> this, this thing is a
2: beauty right yeah. here. <laughs> but you can't hey. get what
1: Austin gets at a department store, bro. <laughs> it's uh. So-
2: it's good to be excited about something though right I feel like it's it's been it's been grueling uh and and draining and all kinds of you know all, all the emotions that you could ever experience we've experienced over the last eight 12 months and so I'm happy that we could get on the show and and have some excitement hopefully coming soon that's uh and and by the way in fed rate cuts at the back end of the year are really what would be the catalyst to uh, a massive bull run and I think that we will see rate cuts in the back half of the year
0: yeah, I, I think they're going to be put in a position where they don't have a choice. and And this just came out. like this blew my mind. I literally saw this tweet, I don't know half hour ago. Sorry, I'm like mm-hmm. burping in the microphone. But China and France complete the first liquid natural gas trade using the Chinese yuan. Like France is our ally. Like France is your is our boy. You know what I mean? Like, Mech. that's yep. there's there's so much it like if this is accurate there's so much to read between the lines here i think uh and like guys china is doing things Whoa. uh and they're they're going for a power grab this
1: yeah. fucking treachery is what it is betrayal of the highest order bro what are they doing man
0: get get a taste for szechuan my friend get a taste so all right so we've got you know speaking of the ways the U S government has decided to absolutely screw the pooch, uh, Corval did a deep, deep yes. dive. So, all right. So it's, it's from the law firm, which I believe sued the U S government during choke point one. Yeah. Cooper so and Kirk Cooper. and Okay. Kirk. So let's, let's set the stage here. So choke point one, was back in like 2013, 2012. And mm-hmm. it was essentially where the government said, hey, we can't make these industries illegal, but we're going to make it really, really difficult for them to operate within the traditional banking system by putting pressure on the banks to not grant them merchant accounts, to not allow them to get bank accounts. And we're, we're essentially going to smoke them out in that way. Yeah, Is that is that accurate, Corvo? Yeah, it's,
2: it, it it's a good reference, Austin, because it was about it was back then it was really about tobacco shops and, and payday lenders and, and firearms and firearms and Cooper and Kirk sued the FDIC, the Federal Reserve and the OCC over choke point 1.0. So they're, they're very well positioned uh, to be writing things like this that Corval is going to be breaking down.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you guys giving all the context here. The Another piece of information that might be useful to know is that those 2013 lawsuits that Cooper and Clark did originally, they never actually resolved in court. Uh, it was once the president, the executive branch changed over, the lawsuits just kind of went away because the actions were reversed. Um, mm. And basically – so I made this thread here. It's this thread of my notes. And this is probably what I'm just going to go through here. Um,
0: you want me to just show this on oh, the screen? Perfect.
1: Yeah. Um, Can we zoom? Yeah, I don't have like the greatest notes on this, but I've highlighted all the parts that I think are my favorite. But again, additional background. So how choke point worked and how, it took a while for people to realize this was happening because. When the executive branch. Like through the FDIC, the Federal Reserve, like all of these organizations that actually manage the day-to-day running of banks, how they're supposed to function, how anything is supposed to function uh, in the government. is They're supposed to take a lot of notes and they're supposed to take a lot of uh, advisory letters. Like there's supposed to be a paper trail for them to explain why they're taking the action that they're taking. And uh, how Chokepoint was working was a lot of like implied language. so they would say things like, uh, like we don't like the use of, 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 uh, payday. We don't like you servicing payday loans. We don't like you servicing, um, strip clubs. We don't like you servicing gun shops. We don't like you servicing tobacco stores. And they would say that these things were a reputational risk, things like that. Things that they they weren't saying like you can't it's not that you can't do business with them, just that we don't like it. So very implied mm-hmm. language, and so banks would naturally uh, start to shy away from those customers. For a while, they tried to like protect those customers, like continue to do business with them. But the pressure gets pretty hot. I've got this one quote down here. Yeah, guy, you me. want to
0: share screen, bro? Yeah, yeah. I got it easier on you. So I'll be clicking around a lot here. All right, all right. Take it over, my friend. Now, just to be clear, like we had the Federal Reserve come out with similar language and similar guidance around cryptocurrency saying these are a big risk. You know, Mm -hmm. we strongly recommend you use caution and things like that.
1: Okay, that's how it's manifesting currently. So they're not supposed to do that because at least that's the case that uh, this law firm is making, Cooper and Kirk, that if because that's a what do you call that? they have a line for it that's that's a uh, it's at the very bottom when they're saying the lawsuits that's um i don't have how here but it's essentially damaging the reputation of businesses without providing any kind of reason why like mm-hmm. they'll say that there's risks for cryptocurrency then in terms of like liquidity risk like they might it's unstable assets they might draw money out of the system but the law firm makes the point that that's like all kinds of assets. Anything could happen. Like you could have a bank run because of any industry. Um, it, it's unfair to specifically target one industry. It's capricious in nature. So that's mm-hmm. one of the grounds for their proposed. Again, this is important. This is just like a white paper. This is just like an essay that the the law firm is making. It's not like a call to action. Like they're not gonna. They're not actually filing like a lawsuit or anything. They're just like well, what they're
0: doing is they're they're mm-hmm. they're pulling back the curtain a little bit for folks yeah. like us who don't quite understand how this works. And this was tweeted out by the blockchain association. That mm-hmm. was that was who when I first saw it was Jake Travinsky threw it out.
1: Yeah, so let me start right at the beginning again. So reputational risk is a bludgeon. This is uh one of the ways they're they're doing it. They're saying that um, yeah, so they can say that a business that is operating under all applicable laws and regulations whose industry is deemed reputationally risky for no other reason than it has been the subject of unflattering press coverage or that it's certain executive branch agencies uh, disapprove of its business model. So they're saying like back in 2014, like they're saying you got to stop servicing uh, like these types of businesses we don't like because we view them as reputationally risky. Including, and they purposefully lumped it in like lumped businesses in with other unsavory businesses. So they would say like payday lenders and pornographers and online gambling businesses trying to make each business seem like dirtier by association. You see this manifesting now with uh, crypto by saying crypto's used by money launderers. It's used by ISIS. It's used by so-and-so. And as Clay and I have brought up many times on the show before, and I think Austin too, banks do this shit all the time. So it's not isolated to this specific industry. It'd be one thing if it was crypto specifically, then they could make a guideline that says, don't do business with crypto. It's only used for this. But because that's not true, it's just uh, arbitrary, which is not how the government should be working ever. It's arbitrary. This is
0: kind of interesting, though, in that it seems like, and and I'm going to relate it to the Restrict Act, but it seems like what they're doing is casting this huge wide net saying, look over here. Here's what we're actually trying to do not necessarily in this case, but with the restrict act it is look over here. We're trying to, you know, national security, right. But the language in which they use is Mm -hmm. kind of a catch all for anything. We don't like, Yeah, I
2: like to me, there's, there's a few major key points that stand out here. One, this confirms what we have said and believed, uh, whether it's crypto Twitter, whether it's on the show, whether it's just the general nature of, of this space all along that Mm there is, um you know collaboration between the federal government the news outlets the media you know all this stuff to to frame this narrative and and it doesn't ha- you know it could be flimsy but it is a cast all wide net and what stood out to me most like look the the whole cftc cz thing and 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 basically uh hamas buying weapons like they will use that as you know no pun intended yeah. a- ammunition to to you know push forward things like this but the one thing that stood out to me most scoreball was like uh, what you just said about the the changing of the guard so mm. uh with kirkland and kurt or what what's uh what's uh, the uh uh cooper, cooper and kurt. Kirk. um the, the the lawsuit never really got resolved it was a change of, of presidency and so yeah that's
1: this next point here so yeah. uh The activities were suspended under the Trump administration, but then seven days after taking office, the Biden uh, White House staff suspended the rule that's specifically designed to guard against the resumption of Operation Choke Point. And so government is like really Byzantine. It's like there's all these like overlapping responsibilities and rules. But basically... Operation Choke Point was essentially off the books. They're not like actually submitting documents to Congress saying why they're doing these things. They're just sending out letters to banks saying, we advise you to do these certain things. And there's an implied or else. But once Trump came into office, they had a rule that said, you can't do that anymore. Uh, Biden comes in, it's revoked, and he appoints this guy, Mr. Hsu, who's been a staunch foe of the digital economy. And he requires that blockchain- based activities such as stablecoin issuance be conducted in a standalone bank chartered entity separate from any other insured depository subsidiary and other regular regulated affiliates. What that means is you need to be a specific crypto bank. You need to be outside of the rest of the banking system if you want to work with crypto. This is the beginning of kind of trying to separate the two, but this can be viewed as um, discriminatory towards customers right like you can't just say like the the banks aren't allowed to just be like i'd only service this kind of customer like i I only service this like if i'm a business bank i don't get to say like uh you can't open an account with me even though you meet all my other requirements just because you engage in this type of business if that business is legal
2: right nor should the government or the fed in in any type of normal democracy like that's it's absolutely
1: ludicrous to think that that's Mm -hmm. um you know uh Legal. Yeah, yeah that, that's a point that's addressed further on in this white paper too it's a pretty nice read um because it does flow pretty logically but yes clay like you're saying that's outside of their mandate that's not their job they're superseding their own responsibilities um in in big ways and it it sounds pretty boring but that not filing their letters with congress on like why they're taking these actions is a pretty big part of that because that's a huge part of their mandate because it's called um there's, there's a part of the... It's unconstitutional. There's a part of the Constitution that says the Congress cannot delegate to the executive branch responsibilities that are part of Congress. Primarily, that means a law making. So Congress can't say the president or any of his agencies are allowed to make a law on anything. right? And by making like unofficial rules, that's essentially like making laws. Because if the FDIC says your bank is no longer insured because of the, you didn't follow our advisory letter um but you didn't do anything illegal that's a constitutional breach right like you're you're giving punishments for something that you're not allowed to.
0: what does the constitution even mean these days i mean to all of us we think this is constitutional yeah. it will be upheld right and then we've mm-hmm. got you know we've got we saw exactly how the government acts the twitter files i mean love him or hate him Mm -hmm. the dude released information he did us all a favor to let us peel back the curtain you know when it comes to like and again not getting on a topic here but like when it comes to the COVID vaccine they kind of employ it employed this same playbook like Mm -hmm. hey you're scared about this you don't want to take it well we're basically gonna you know shut you down if you say that in public uh to the point that you might be ostracized you might lose your job yeah. You know what I mean? Like you your your life may be put on hold if you don't choose to get this thing that we're telling you is okay for you.
1: There
2: there has increasingly been a um rule by enforcement approach yes. in America and and maybe maybe you know I don't live in any other country clearly so maybe worldwide uh, I don't know. But it's it's there's there's other things so Corval keep going there's some there's some stuff I want to point out
1: in yeah. you know,
2: in in yeah, let conjunction let me
1: just... to this. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's uh, let's keep going then. So the guidance documents is a veiled threat, like I said. Um, so they sent out this interpretive letter that announced that before engaging any cryptocurrency activities, a bank must now notify its supervisory office in writing of the proposed activities and must receive written notification of the supervisory non objection. So that means if you want to do business with crypto, you got to send a letter to your your supervisory whatever committee, the bank that's like regulating you. And they got to approve it. They got to approve the kinds of activities you're going to engage in. Um, now, again, remember, this is not a law. So th- this is just like <laughs> this is just like we're, we're, we're asking you to. Um, and but if you um, don't do it,
0: we're going to put you in a pressure cooker.
1: Basically. Well, that's implied. Yeah, that's implied. And I'll get to like the kinds of language they use to imply that later because there's some pretty strong language. Um this is a good point I remember uh, I really liked. Legal permissibility is a necessary but not sufficient condition to establish that a state member bank may engage in a particular activity. That means what you're doing may be legal, but that doesn't mean you're allowed to do it, which Mm. from my understanding is kind of like, I don't know. I thought you were allowed to do whatever you wanted as long as it wasn't illegal. Mm. Um, Unless you want like, I mean, you might get some weird looks, but you can do whatever you want as long as it's legal. Uh, and, and they bring up how there are liquidity risks from crypto, um, but n- these are not specific to crypto. So limiting banks' exposure to crypto because of liquidity risks doesn't make – it's arbitrary. It's just an arbitrary decision. Of course it is. So course it this is. section I really enjoyed. One question, so whether these concerns about liquidity risk, which did not materialize in 2022, even as Bitcoin alone declined by 65%, resulting in a $2 trillion decline in the market capitalization of that one cryptocurrency, are misplaced. Indeed, as the turmoil of the past few weeks has confirmed, banks would appear to face far less liquidity risk from serving crypto customers than they do from holding long-dated U.S. Treasury securities or insured deposits. Mm. So this is all going to come together in a really nice way once we get to the end, I promise you. Clay's going to love this shit because it ties into what we were talking about yesterday as well. Um, The ways that they can kind of force these things to happen um, or force banks to comply. And uh, yeah, this is the, the illegal part here. Whistleblower reports have also alleged that the FDIC may be abusing its supervisory powers to deter banks from extending credit to crypto related companies. And that's a good point. Uh, John steps calling your local representatives actually does uh, do a lot. Um, yeah. So the FDIC regional offices sent letters to multiple banks requesting that they refrain from expanding relationships with crypto-related companies without providing any legal basis for sending the letters. They don't have a legal basis to request uh, what we mentioned before, writing your boss to ask if you can do cryptocurrency things. That's that's not a legal requirement. Um, yeah, and it's uh, they have different rules for how you include digital assets held in custody among the assets and liabilities on their ba- balance sheets. In contrast, conventional assets do not appear on the custodian's balance sheet because those assets are recognized as belonging to the bank's clients, not the bank. Um, so really kind of using all their means without engaging with the law directly to suppress crypto. Uh, this is textbook choke point. It, it's literally checkpoint, choke point 2.0, not just because it's the second one, but because they've upgraded their measures. The ways that they're willing to pressure, uh, ban- the banks to comply. Um, here's the line, Clay: This is where you're going to like comply or die. Uh, in one instance, when a bank expressed reluctance to terminate a long-standing and law-abiding customer simply because the customer was disliked by the bank's regulators, this implicit threat was made explicit when the head examiner openly threatened that the FDIC was simply not concerned if a piss-ant two hundred million dollar bank failed. That's the key part here. They don't give a fuck if you fail, if you're engaged in activity that they don't like, and mm. what they don't like is crypto. Yesterday, it was pornography and gun stores. Tomorrow, who knows what the fuck it'll be? Whatever they don't like, they're gonna they're regulating internally by saying we're gonna let you fail.
0: Yeah. And and there's a lot of language within the bank charters, like, like in the oversight that we saw from the New York state, um, I forget what the hell they're called banking regulators though. There was remember BC and D clay Mm -hmm. that we went through and D was basically like, if we lose faith in your ability to run this bank, we can revoke. And, and that is very open-ended
2: it is but it, but it's also an actual statute of new york state law so you can you know for for, for that case you can bend and, and and use it as you see fit there's so much mm-hmm. shit that i want to go in on this like let's 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 keep going i got like i'm I'm about to get fired up
1: yeah so going on signature was at no risk of failure banks in worse positions were shored up by more drastic means so a law a big chunk of this white paper not a big chunk but a nice little chunk on a page is about how signature bank uh, was not at any risk from what anyone could tell. Um, I mean, they, they were, were the, but
2: they were not at any more they significant were significant risk than, than a number of was, the other banks. Like, like they did have a lot of, of, of treasury, bad treasury debt,
1: but. They did, but compared it to the banks that they, that I'll explain. So we got some numbers here. So. Let's just read this. The bank's regulators were moving to shore up the finances of other banks while Signature was falling, including First Republic that were in far more dire straits than Signature. Also, Signature did not fall. Signature was shuttered. They forced Signature to close. Signature, after all, had $110.36 billion of assets to cover $88.59 billion of deposits at the end of 2022. And the regulators had conceded that the bank was not insolvent at the time it was closed. So Signature was not insolvent. If they had been given any time to raise liquidity, um, they probably would have been fine. And Barney Frank of the Bar- the Frank Dodd addict or whatever the fuck he also said that on the Monday when they were shuttered, they were fine to resume business. They were they were not in any risk of of a run. Um,
0: well, the risk was they were on the shit list. That's the bottom that was line. It. Yeah, they it were was, on the shit list, and the people that will backstop your bank are not going to backstop you, and that's the risk.
1: Period. And there is great evidence of this when they were selling signatures, assets. So the FDIC, what well, was it, the FDIC, the Fed? I'll, hold on, I'll get there, I'll get there. <laughs> um, also, Clay, check this out. The New York Department of Financial Services Superintendent, Adrian A. Harris, also sits in the Financial Stability Oversight Council. And surely I've been well aware that the FSOC, that other council she's a part of, liquidity program would have obviated any risk of signatures failure. Right. So of course their job, right, the banking regulators jobs is to preserve the health of the banking system. So by refusing to take and and how there's spo- their mandate is to save the banks as cheaply as possible, right? Like and as effectively as possible. Don't spend taxpayer money or don't spend your insurance money on like saving like a bunch of useless toxic assets. Like unless it's all you can do to save the bank, right? And what that means is a lot of times sell shit to other banks, make other banks buy it. You saw that with Credit Suisse, right? Um, I forget the bank that bought Credit Suisse, but they didn't really want to buy Credit Suisse. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. UBS didn't want to buy them, uh, but they were forced to, and and that's because the the government didn't want to spend the money, all that money to back up all those funds, and that makes perfect sense. But what we saw in the signature and uh, Silicon Valley Bank and, and, and uh, Capital Bank is that, uh, or First Republic Bank, is that they chose to shutter a big bank signature. They didn't overtly say that you can't buy Signet, you can't touch the Signet stuff, but they heavily implied it in their language. Um, and so, yeah, here we go. Uh in spite of its strenuous denials therefore the FDIC had in fact not been seeking to sell Signet and Signature's other digital assets so they sold all of Signature's other assets which is normal in a bank closure but they didn't sell Signet and their digital assets this decision resulted in a 2.5 billion dollar hit to the FDIC's deposit insurance fund the deal nevertheless closed just a week after the bank was closed and remarkably was approved by regulators within one day so they moved very quickly and they didn't really allow anyone to buy signet. Why wouldn't they allow someone to buy signet? Because they didn't want that that asset class that that technology to be used to facilitate another crypto bank. Yep. Clearly the so, FDI seemed to be in a hurry to close this on terms in very favorable to the NYCB. Uh, as the editors of Wall Street Journal opined, the action taken by the FDIC confirms Frank's own suspicions and ours that the signature seizure was motivated by regulars hostility towards crypto. So, so we
0: can make the assumption that all of this, you yeah. know, is probably mm-hmm. factually happening. Clay, go ahead. You no,
2: know, I mean, let's 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 draw conclusions like let's like there's there's so much in here. There's there's a massive amount to go through, but like let's put it in context and, and what does this mean for crypto what does this mean for the 77 of you who are watching and hitting the like button um you know, what does that mean for everybody and so you know I'm going to make some some strange comparisons but you know in 1776 it was more about representation than taxation but the idea was uh you know taxation without representation is tyranny I would flip that on its head now and say, uh, you know, regulation without policy making is tyranny. And at this point, that's that's that is what we've seen up to this point: a completely unregulated, um, you know, closures, seizures of different things. I mean, for different reasons, but without actual policy and making, you know, going through Congress and the normal acts of which you would have to do uh, in a normal democracy. Instead, you have the FDIC and the, and the CFTC running amok. Casting a wide net, you know, throwing out a thousand lines, hoping you catch, you know, two big fish, and you take people down. So that's a problem. But let's look at what you know, where we've come. So like now we have, you know, with with um, with Cooper and Kirk kind of stepping in here, you know, thankfully. Uh, and there's you know there's many others in Washington. Um, you know what's uh, what's uh, the woman's name um, that you live near, Austin? Carry on. Um, yeah, Perry, Digital Chamber of Commerce. So like, there's there's a lot of representatives that we have in Washington who are going to, uh, you know, t- stand up for this industry. But like now we have proof, and and now we have representation. And if you look at the reasoning, like now it makes a lot of sense, right? So you t- you take out Silicon Valley Bank, well you kill Circle, you depeg USDC. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, you take out Signature, you kill Signet. And and somebody commented a second ago that Signet was bought. Well, guess what? Uh, it was bought under the clause that any any of the crypto businesses that was, active, or that was acting within it would not be taken with it. And so that Signet, you know Signet Exchange Network is going to be killed. Uh, uh, Silvergate, same situation. You kill Sil- Silvergate Exchange Networks. You make it really really hard for crypto firms to you know send overnight deposits uh, amongst exchanges. And so. All of this is premeditated. All of this ties in exactly to what Corval is talking about, and now we have proof. Um, but further, I think that you know, at some point, you push, you push so hard that you push too far, um, right. and I feel like we're starting to get to that point. And and basically, you know, if I share this, share my screen real quick. Like, there's a couple things that have happened uh, today that so we didn't get to watch this, but it's happening now. The House Financial Committee hearing on the investigation of SVB and Signature Bank, and I would almost guarantee that they do not speak about crypto in it at all. I bet it's about why did they close it, you know, reestablishing the bank's function for for Silicon, et cetera. Um, but we didn't get to watch that, so who knows what what's in it? I would like to see it. Um, but there was a there's a really good thread put out by Ron Hammond, and I actually don't know who he is, but this week in crypto, uh, March has been another brutal month for the crypto industry. Uh, The one action that has undoubtedly galvanized the industry in D.C. is the Coinbase Wells notice. And so basically, you know, he goes on to say that this is very different than the CFTC going after Binance, who probably did shady things in the past and et cetera. Now you went after a a company who has time and time again come to Washington, come to lobby, come to help, you know, set precedent, set, you know, rules and standards for the space. And you've gone after them. Uh, and there's and there's a lot of people in Washington who are on the side of Coinbase, and so now basically you've rattled the gate, you've, you know, you've you've awoken the bear, maybe the one that you didn't want to go after, uh, and I think that the way we see this play out will be very interesting, specifically on the Coinbase thing. Um, and he says, let's be clear, this is not a Democrat versus Republican issue, because in recent weeks there have been a decent amount of Ds who have told us they are pleased with the direction of the administration on crypto. Uh, especially the crypto economic report which attacked crypto heavily so uh, I'm sorry aren't pleased so my point is we've got a lot of folks now with yeah. eyeballs on this and so I That's think right. this could blow the you know this could blow the, the lid off or like open this thing up in a different way that we haven't seen yet
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm excited to see this stuff unfold because of uh, I mean the context I got from reading this white paper last night it does seem like they're is a lot of potentially illegal action occurring on the behalf of these regulators, uh, specifically the FDIC and the SEC and also the fed. (laughs) And there's been
0: multiple times in, you know, the history of the United States where there have been people on the inside trying to take the country in a weird direction, you Mm -hmm. know, a draconian direction, a unconstitutional direction and sure as shit, almost every single time. And I'll tell you, they're getting close this time, they're getting really, really close. But every single time there has been pushback and, and it, it has to be stated and remembered that we don't work for the government, the government works for us. And the only, the only way in which they're going to continue to operate unabated is if we do nothing is if we say nothing is if we're not educating ourselves and getting out there and talking about it and, and fighting against it. Right. Mm-hmm. Who better to unify the United States of America pro crypto to work towards pro crypto legislation than fucking with coinbase the biggest exchange in the united states i I
2: really think it i think that is the one that will
0: backfire they just put the glue on and and you know what we're going to unify because right right now a lot of this is coming from a small subset of we can't afford to let us dollars exit the banking system and go into crypto so we're going to do everything we can to stop that to you know now what the biggest you know quote-unquote enemies of the united states are now embracing it now what are you going to do like these are not small fish right you know. which is so- genius
2: on their on their behalf if you're if you're china and you want to grow your gdp to be larger than ours embrace crypto have have billion you know potential trillions of dollars once we get a little more mature markets flowing through you as the entity that is the leader in the space and things that you know things that give me uh encouragement so if you don't follow eleanor tarrett uh from fox business i would you know i would recommend you do so she puts out a ton of good stuff and we have her on the show fairly regularly but um you know having so today at 2:30, 30 will testify in front of the house appropriations committee about his budget um, and that's you know the house is is controlled by the republicans and i don't think he's going to get pre-canned questions or cakewalk through that one as as if he was going to go in front of the senate Uh, I would Uh think it would be a very different situation. So I'll be, I'm going to be watching that and we'll definitely talk about it tomorrow. Uh, The other one is that on April 18th, and this is a huge one, uh, this is the House Financial Services Committee. So this is where it really goes down. Like this is a mark your calendar. This is one you want to watch. Uh, Gensler hasn't been in front of any House committee in in over two and a half years. Uh, And so this is the first time this is happening. This is like, this is a monumental key key point for this space for everybody watching this for all of us who are hosting and on and you know whatever this is huge uh and so there are a lot of things that are coming up that that are uh really really massive and also very encouraging and and I do think that um the coinbase thing is is poking the wrong bear because they've tried to do everything right and if you go after folks that have done right generally um the truth will set you free and uh at least I, I like to think so Indeed. And if I think like
1: just real
0: quick, I want to move us on to the next topic because we yeah. are we are yeah, we're, we're cranking running. on this one for a little while. Um, bottom line, keep your eyes open. There are a lot of powerful people in Washington uh, that are aware of this information, that are fighting, pushing back against this information. And if you love this industry, stick it out. Support those folks and, like the blockchain Join Coinbase 435. Me. Yep. I signed up for it the other day. Uh, just do it. It's it's literally a movement to try and get pro-crypto people into office. That's essentially what it is because at the bottom, the end of the day, it's all about legislation.
1: I want to say one last thing just to wrap up this this white paper, just the very last thing here. So the white paper is structured to tell you like context and all that stuff. At the very bottom, it has some recommendations for Congress, like some questions they want Congress to address. And the last one they have is, Congress should investigate whether bank regulators are acting to curtail private sector innovation to clear the field of competition for a federal cryptocurrency alternative. Clearly, a decision to restrict the use of blockchain technology by private companies so that the technology may be reserved for the agents of the federal bureaucracy is the sort of major policy decision that the elected representatives of the people assembled in Congress should make or must make.
2: Yeah. So, aka Fed now
1: yeah you could say a fed now leading to a cbdc i was just thinking we've always heard people say like oh that's like FUD by banks to to drive crypto prices down so they could buy lower and i'm thinking that this is implying that it's way uh you got to think bigger than that (laughs) yeah
2: if you if you watched yesterday's episode and you understand how they shifted um you know reserve requirements from the banks everything ties together to a fed now program a dependency on the fed and then this 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 need for a CBDC being the central, you know, the, the central bank controlling everything else. So like yeah. it all ties together. Look, the, the picture is coming together very clearly now. Um, it was really? opaque before and it was hard to draw, you know, connect the dots. I was um, it's starting to come together.
1: I was um, thinking that, Clay, after you know, we've been talking about the the Fed now thing, we've been talking about the reserve ratio thing. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what better way to ensure that a bank complies with you? uh extra judicia- judicially than being able to completely sink them at any point because you're like right. oh look at all the treasury bills you have all that yep. we gave you,
2: <laughs> or or you need overnight, uh you know, treasury loans. Like, no, we're not going to do that because you yeah, do that XYZ. It's the same thing as same thing as a, a CBDC would do to the average. So just, I, I didn't want to go down this road. Let's talk. Yeah, sorry, about can't we, go down down road, we can't go down that. We can't do it. We can't do we it. I'm sorry,
0: sorry I, didn't I didn't mean to get too it. it. Yeah, we gotta we gotta <laughs> inject some hopium into this. So all right, so we've we've been on this doom and gloom kind of kick, right? And there's a lot of that in the news, and it's worth getting into because it's very very interesting for anyone that cares about cryptocurrency. But it's not all doom and gloom. Uh Bitcoin. Has uh, for any way you look at it been showing a lot of strength, which means the crypto market is showing a lot of strength. And there are a lot of good DeFi plays in here because we know that people that watch us are DeFi degenerates. And Clay is going to start talking about a couple of them while I go take a leak. And I'm going to come back and share uh, one of my plays with you. And maybe Corval uh, will even bring one over. Uh, maybe a little Corval coin. Who knows? Who knows? No, I'll be right back. Corval coin. Uh, when
2: Corval coin? That is the question. Um, <laughs> Let us know if you'd like to see a win Corval coin and uh, and we'll make it happen. Uh, but no, so you know, I think you know, as Austin said, there's there's there are things that I'm keeping my eye on, and I have been for a while. And, and if you've watched any of this stuff from Blockbytes, which if you're here, you probably do. Uh, you know, we did a a four-way AMA, which was quite an interesting thing, but uh, Equalizer, um, Velodrome, Thenify, and Satin Exchange. And so basically, they are all solidly forks. Um, and and as of today, the so three of them had launched, uh, and I, I think we saw uh, Equalizer go from like forty cents to, to sixteen dollars. And so I, I'm not here to speak on price action because I have no idea what will happen. But what I am here to say is that Satin Exchange, which was the last one on the uh, on the list of folks that were on that 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 sort of uh, spaces, is launching today on Polygon and so uh very very unique approach to the solidly model because they've basically taken um a stable coin that they call cash very very original um and it's a it's a combination of uh of die usdc and tether uh and then it creates cash and it's an appreciating stable coin so they they basically farm against it and it appreciates in value why does that matter because basically instead of just like the way that normal solidly forks work is you just lock the base token. So you would lock the, the Velo token uh, as you know four years or however long you want. Um, their locks are, are one month to 365 days. But instead of just locking the token, you lock the satin token with cash paired together. And so why does that matter? It basically creates deep liquidity, regardless of bank runs, regardless of market downturns, regardless of, you know, so basically like when things go south, you see uh, a lot of these, solidly forks lose value because all that's locked is is just their base token and so in this case you've got the base token locked with uh with the stable coin meaning there will always be you know really good should always be really good liquidity in market so it's a great opportunity if you've been if you've been following the solidly forks uh it's been certainly solidly forks season one of the brighter spots in this entire space uh over the last six months has been these opportunities so um i know they did a public sale if you're able to to get into that then great Uh, Just for transparency's sake, I I did get into the public sale and uh, I will be participating on launch because I'm sure our missions will be front loaded like most solidly forks are. Uh, But what I did hear today was that they've got 100K in bribes for Epoch 1, which is a very good sign for how the business is going to function moving forward because bribes are a huge part part of the flywheel when it comes to solidly forks. So satin exchange on Polygon. The other thing I would say about it is if you look at some of the other chains, there's like Three or you know two or three or four different Solidly forks, and on Polygon there's not. There was one and it failed, and so you know a lack of competition to me is a good, uh, it's a, you know it's a positive for for a crypto protocol to not have to compete with you know three or four other people, and so you know it's something that I'm certainly excited about, and uh, you know and you can check it out, do your own research, and you know read their docs, read their audits, make sure that you feel comfortable with everything they're doing, but that is a big one for me and uh I don't know if anybody has anything to add
0: keep rolling man keep rolling
2: cool uh another one that I am watching uh yeah Kronos on Arbitrum is another one that I am watching I wasn't gonna plug you know talk about it today but uh Fallout Zone that is a uh that's another one that I know has a really solid team and some of the folks that are backing Kronos um are well known although maybe not publicly known uh, but Kronos is another one on Arbitrum uh, that, you know, Arbitrum DeFi has really good opportunity, I think, to, to, to pop off like Phantom did in 2022 or late 2021. Uh, so the other one that I wanted to bring up is our our very own, you know, we're big fans of the Byte Masons, but Granary, uh, the lending protocol has their LGE going on. Uh, it's another thing for transparency and just public knowledge that I will be participating in uh, because I believe in what they're doing. Uh, and basically, you know, any protocol that has zero pre-sale and zero VCs is, is a, is a plus to me. Uh, I don't like to, I don't like the Solana model. I don't like to get dumped on by, uh, the all in podcast and whoever else (laughs)
1: $2
2: billion worth that stuff. Um, and so, you know, basically, you know, entirely owned and governed by the community, uh, they're on seven networks and the grain token is going to be distributed, I think, equitably across liquidity pools based on how much is is bought in this LGE um, across each network. And so, um, you know, if you believe in the flywheel of ethos reserve with grain, with reaper farm, that is another one that I think has a lot of promise. Um, and honestly, like finding new, exciting DeFi opportunities at the front of a bull market, a potential bull market is 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 effing huge Uh, and so this is part of that position yourself correctly conversation that that I have with myself every day um and uh you know lastly the thing that I really like about it is grainer uses their revenues to buy back grain uh and it's it's really a non-inflationary means of, of of providing user incentives when I say inflationary means I mean people go out and use their token as the incentive and then there ends up being a kajillion tokens in market and just continually drives price down this is the opposite of that type of model. Um, and so you know, so you, you know, it, whether you're an Arbitrum believer or an Ethereum believer or a you know, Polygon, Phantom, you name it, you can pretty much get in the LG on any of those chains. And that's pretty damn cool. Uh, and the way that they do it is, is, is from a one-month to like five-year basis, and it's a sliding scale and you get more allocated uh, and, it, and it equitably distributes. So there's also not a mass token dump on the market. So very smart way to do a rollout uh and it's another one that I'm I'm pretty bullish on so from that point I will
0: digress unless you guys have any questions for me or something to add <clears throat> no not good stuff man good stuff and, and by Mason's are a great team that was one thing about you know satin is like we know that team uh you know in real life you know one of them was a speaker at Quantum like they're a great team they have backing from Polygon so I think they're going to have a, a really hopefully hopefully successful fingers launch fingers crossed fingers crossed so Thanks. i want to go ahead Corval. did you have something to say on green before we... i'll be right back
1: uh right. i was just gonna say i'm also i did the green lge it looks really cool i'm a, a i'm a dumbass i was just like looking at it i was like this looks so fucking cool a little robot um, give all my money yeah but uh yeah i love greenery it's really the only like lending protocol i like to use because it's very uh tight it's very simple <laughs> for me it's a really useful well we're waiting they're waiting for your secret austin what's your secret let's let's go let's get into it
0: why does he why does he that's what we're about to get into why does he drop his just leave it on it's very it's very soothing when you when you when you go take a piss just leave it on it's all good yeah i mean so all right so i want to take you guys through a little journey here uh real quick because the last few i would say five to six months have been kind of interesting for me to get me to the point of having the level of confidence that i have in this so uh, there's a guy named Dom and Dom is, you know, he's the chairman of the board of this network called IOTA, right? Now we've all heard of IOTA. Uh, IOTA it was been around for a long, long time, 2017, right? They they were one of the first, if maybe they the very first DAG and kind of their shtick or their pitch was that they were creating this internet of things, right? They have very, very fast transaction speeds. So smart cities, things like that you know, they were going to work with car companies, all sorts of different shit, And they did manage to get a whole lot of really important partnerships. However, I think they may have been a little bit ahead of their time, right? And so uh, end of the 2017 run, we go through the 2018, 2019 bear market and the new narrative emerges, which are these alternate layer one EVM chains. We have DeFi summer in 2020. We have phantom absolutely rip, um, which is where I sat. And, and to be quite frank, anyone that, was around when I got into phantom and rode that whole wave. You know, you should be doing pretty well unless you round tripped it. Like you should be doing freaking well. And for a guy like me that that rode that whole thing and, and I I still have substantial phantom holdings because I believe that that's going to be a winner in the future, but it's not going to be that 200x winner that it was the very first time the network launched right and so that is a a very you're, you're muted clay that is a very very rare thing to find and so fast forward a little bit dom uh reaches out to us on on twitter apparently he knew about ftm alerts he was a fan of you know kind of what we do did with phantom he said hey we're launching this layer one evm network and i'm like all right cool there's a lot of layer ones out there no big deal you know we'll go ahead and check into it we start having some calls with them so the iota foundation is very very smart let's just put it that way these guys know their shit uh they're good at what they do they've been around for a while they're well capitalized and so they're essentially they pivoted to create a smart contract layer on top of their dag but they can't implement it directly onto iota and so what are they doing what they did is they carbon copied what they call the tangle which is the dag onto a new network called shimmer what they're going to be doing and I'll, i'll explain a little bit about this to you um, but they're going to be very soon. They just released a test net today, uh, releasing an EVM layer on top of this carbon copy tangle. And so essentially the way that this works, it's not going to be like your traditional EVM chain. And what I'm looking for here, what I'm looking for is something to check all the boxes as to, you know, the, the solid leaf forks are great, but there's something I'm going to play in, right? They're not going to lay the foundation of what I'm hoping to build upon. I'm going to play in those. This is one that has struck me so deeply that I'm 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 letting it lay the foundation of where I think this is going to go, okay? So, obviously DAGs are very very fast, uh, the time to finality is very quick, but the way that this works is the, the layer 1 is the actual consensus layer itself, which they call the tangle. Everything is going to be built on top of that with the EVM layer. You can kind of think of these as layer 2s, right? So, that you can there's they're all EVM compatible, but you can use EVM. You can do... Uh, what's the other one, Clay? Yeah, Rust. It's Rust, uh, right? Yeah.
2: So, so, yeah. so basically, the EVM is, is a flexible design. So it supports Solidity, supports Rust. There's a lot of different programming languages you can go <clears throat> on. Right. Didn't I think
0: m- Move... Is, is move the one that, right. yeah, I think that one may be coming in as well, but here's, here's what's really important about this. <clears throat> so this is going to deploy. They just deployed the test net. Obviously a test net. The reason for the test net is, uh, shit's going to break. Right. Uh, and so they want you to go out, test this and break some shit and come back. Here's what really struck me about this. So, so SMR is the shimmer token. And I have decided to allocate a portion of my portfolio strictly into the SMR token almost to an obsessive degree. When it actually hit me what's going on, I started really going nuts. Uh, It's a little bit difficult to accumulate. So it's on Bitfinex, but if you're in the US, that's a non-starter. So I have been playing the Russian roulette of Bitforex for (laughs) the last couple of months to try to accumulate this token. Um, There's some really interesting things about this network and the way that it's going to work. Number one, it has a massive inbuilt community right so when they launch i want to show you guys this they're launching with a pre-built defy ecosystem let's so, see it. yeah so this is a site called tangleverse.io right so and this is not going to be completely comprehensive but these are projects that are ready to launch as soon as the evm mainnet goes live OK, so these are all just coming right in. There's multiple DEXs, there's Balancer, there's lending uh, platforms. There's all sorts of various shit that's going to be launching on there. Um, secondly, Iota community is huge. They're very, very big. I mean, there's probably 10,000 plus that are active, uh, if I had to take a guess. A lot of them have been holding tokens for a long time and, and really didn't get to play in DeFi. So for a guy like me that likes to make videos and kind of educate people on how shit works that's a prime opportunity for me, right? So the cool thing about this network is uh, all of your transactions are randomized. And what that means is MEV cannot exist, right? There's no mempool ordering transactions, things like that that happen. It has extremely high throughput because there's going to be multiple layer twos deployed upon the layer one consensus chain. But what's cool about this is even though I'm likening them to, let's say, A subnet or a supernet, something like that. It's completely bridgeless. You don't Mm -hmm. have to go through a bridge to go from one layer two to the next. Another thing about this is every single token that's deployed on the network is deployed, for lack of a better term, similar to a base token on another network, right? So if you're if you're um, transacting in USDC, what you're really doing is you're transacting with an account of ledger based upon a smart contract and that smart contract has rules in it. Right? So if, you know, OFAC doesn't like your address cause you know, somebody sent you money that touched tornado cash, they can turn you off because that's what the smart contract is designed to do. Mm-hmm. Not on shimmer. These are base tokens, essentially, right? They're all native tokens of the network. So they're all first-class citizens as opposed to running through an ERC-20. Yeah. There's a whole lot of really, really interesting stuff that's within this. But for, for a guy like me, here's what I'm looking at. Do I have the the ability to get into a narrative that's going to be massive before anyone else knows about it? And we're not a big channel. So this isn't like banter talking about this, right? Where 40,000 people are gonna go learn about it. There's 77 of you on here. This this token was airdropped to people that uh, staked their IOTA tokens. And the airdrop mm-hmm. happened months ago. Uh, well, it, it started to be yeah. available months ago, I right? I missed
1: that shit. I was so mad.
0: <laughs> so here, here's where we're at right now. We've got not too many people outside of the IOTA community that knows about this layer one that's about to launch. We have the IOTA Foundation basically staking their future on making this the most badass thing that's ever existed. And we've got a token where most of the people that, that, that uh, claim the airdrop and wanted to sell it, have sold it. And it's finding this really nice little bottoming process right now. Now this isn't going to be an overnight thing. Uh, and it's heavily, heavily, heavily dependent upon the success of the layer one. But if it wins, if it happens, like I think it's going to happen because we've gotten to know the, the IOTA community and the IOTA foundation very well over the last few months. I think there's a very rare opportunity here. I, that's all I wanted to say on that.
2: I, I would totally agree. So I want to I want to break down a few things you said just to make sure that they make sense to people because we throw around acronyms and and assume that everybody understands. But like, so so no MeV. So minor extractable value. So basically, MeV is a dynamic that allows miners to kind of maximize their profits by. Determining the order of transactions on a blockchain network to their advantage—you so basically you can get front-run. Uh, and you know when you're when you're doing a transaction, and there is no MEV uh, with Shimmer network. So like that's for exchanges, that's a huge piece. For users, that's a huge piece. Austin, is that how you would explain
0: it? Yeah, dude. If you go over on Ethereum, right, and you want to buy a token and you forget to set your slippage to 0.5 percent, and you ac- accidentally set it to to five percent the second you send that through it goes to something called a mempool and the people that can, these these bots can read the mempool see exactly what you're buying and what they'll do it's called a sandwich attack they will go in they will purchase the token drive up the price you'll come in and do whatever the hell you'll come in behind them trying to buy so you'll drive it up more and then they're going to sell into your order and they're going to do all of this rapidly and what they're going to do is they're going to extract value out of your order so if you thought you were getting 300 tokens you might only get 280 yeah right and so you've got to use these custom RPCs like um should I forget the names now but that don't send them through to the mempool there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into stuff like this none of that exists on shimmer because of the way that the, the transactions work there's there's randomness built into the network
2: yeah and 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 like when you think about ethereum token on ethereum that is a main net token so that that is you know USDC on Ethereum is an ERC-20 token, and everything else on Ethereum is an ERC-20 token. So to Austin's point, uh, if they if OFAC wanted to turn off your access to USDC because it's ERC-20, they can. And uh, this in this scenario, this is like own your crypto, own your coins. Like everything is a mainnet token, uh, bridgeless, feeless, across you know from the layer ones to To any layer two that's expanded upon it and someone asked in the comments like is it a kusama to polka dot type relationship and the answer is yes yes um you know between shimmer and iota uh and you know but you know for me it was like in the beginning it was like well this is a crowded space like how many layer ones can there be but the what, what really kind of like got me excited is there is such a thing, and we're seeing it with with a lot of the layer twos that are out now as as second mover advantage, mm-hmm. where people have, have been able to watch what works, watch what doesn't, and innovate on the things that are really good and make them even better. Uh, and I can tell you, there's a ton of smart smart people that are working on this thing. That uh, the the actual community itself is is uh, ravenous and massive and super excited, and it seems like a really exciting opportunity. And so I'm you know I'm in, I'm in the same camp uh and you know anything that's coming you know obviously to your point austin like it's completely dependent on the success of the layer one and so that's you know we have you have to highlight that uh but i believe in in kind of what they're building
0: yeah and i want to i want to touch on a couple of questions so when the mainnet actually launches it's all going to run just like every other network runs it'll you'll put an rpc in a metamask it'll run through metamask you'll bridge with multi-chain yada 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 right Right now, that's not the way that it is because the EVM mainnet is not launched, right? So to accumulate Shimmer tokens, you have to use something called the Firefly wallet. And if you go to Shimmer.network, right up here, where the hell is it? Resources, Firefly Shimmer wallet. And what you, you, can, you can store Shimmer in this wallet, basically. It has ledger and everything that you would need. What's going to happen is, so your, your Shimmer addresses are not OX addresses. They, they start with SMR. And what they're going to do is they're going to put, from my understanding, kind of like an alternate, you're going to have like an alternate ID on top of your shimmer. So you're going to have like your OX address, which corresponds with your underlying SMR address. You don't really need to know that because it's all going to run through MetaMask anyhow. So it's going to look and feel the same way. But here's my point. We're going to get a lot of people that are deploying on this network for a few reasons. One, it's a new network. People want to deploy. Two, there's a shitload of money that's ready to deploy on anything iota does because their community is absolutely nuts and three there's going to be a lot of first mover advantage okay right now we're at that place to where the narrative still has to take shape but in my mind as somebody who's had a lot of contact with the iota foundation we have weekly calls with them i've heard enough i know that this has massive massive potential and so it was enough for me to allocate a double digit percentage of my portfolio into the SMR token for a number of reasons. One, I believe there will be heavy appreciation, obviously. Uh, but number two, there's going to be a massive DeFi ecosystem that's about to launch. And guess who's going to, to really reap those rewards. Whoever's ready with capital to deploy. It was that way with phantom man, when phantom launched and I had a bunch of phantom like it's go time, baby, let's rock and roll. And I did. And it was great. And, and if but, that feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity. This feels like it wasn't a once in a lifetime opportunity that that opportunity may be coming back. And so anyone that missed that massive shit your pants run that we had on phantom, I'm not saying it'll do the same thing. I'm not saying it'll be a winner, but I'm telling you, I've heard enough to believe enough in it to know that I'm here for it, man. I'm ready. I'm positioned.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I would even say if you missed Arbitrum, like if you, you know, there's a few arbitrary protocols that I got into early and just, just buy speculate, you know, more speculation than anything that, that have worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah. And this is another one of those,
0: of, of those type of opportunities. So, yeah. Um, and to be clear, before anyone says it, I have, like, I've been accumulating phantom at the same time. So I'm not like, you know, Hey, you know, what the hell happened? No, I love phantom. I still accumulate the shit out of that token. I'm, I'm more um, bullish on
2: phantom than I've been in, in like the last two years. hundred percent. There's there's, uh, like the beautiful part about this is this show. You know, we, we, we go through CBDCs, we go through Fed now, we go through the, the insanity that was the banking reserve situation yesterday. And today we get to go through exciting opportunities. Like, there, you know, Arbitrum is exciting, Shimmer is exciting, um, you know, the, the solidly forks are exciting. There's, there's a ton of stuff going on right now that if you are paying attention, you have your finger on the pulse, you have real, real, real potential uh to find some some absolute gems and that's yeah that's that's why we stuck around i think that's why we're all still here uh for the you know the 82 that are watching and those that have watch after that's why we're still here right that's why we would we yeah. tread through the shit to
0: get to this point and so yeah shimmer market cap right now i think is around 80 million fully diluted like that's yeah. all out on the market and i don't know how much of that is you know uh, I don't think a ton of that is held by the foundation. I think most of that is held by the community, but it's been kind of recycled through. It's been a bitch to accumulate this token. To it's, be
1: perfectly it's, frank, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: All
1: right, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it is kind of like a bitch to accumulate it. I spent a little while uh trying to get off a of bit 4x. The thing about the wallets, I I, <laughs> I fumbled the bag a little bit because I uh, there's two wallets: this is the iota wallet and there's the Shimmer Firefly wallet, and I got the wrong one. Uh, I was actually thinking about launching Corvall coin on shimmer, but because like you guys are saying, each thing is a coin. I couldn't it, program in the features I wanted it, to. it. It doesn't
0: matter, dude, your seed phrase will unlock the same over on shimmer. So no, yeah, unlocking- yeah, it's
1: a different application. Like you download, right? It is a different, you gotta get the firefly figure out, but yeah. Cool. Here's All right. You, so
0: that's my my spiel. You're going to hear a lot more from I was us yeah, Here's what you can expect Shimmer. from
2: us over the coming weeks: is 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 videos on on how to do this stuff, on on how to connect your your Firefly wallet to uh, a ledger, and and different ways that you can position yourself uh, if this is something that you're interested in to to be in the right spot. And and Austin, to your point earlier. So the Shimmer token was fairly distributed, basically with 100% of the initial token supply going into the community. So anyone that was staking IOTA tokens received the Shimmer token over a three month staking period. And so, you know, again, I go back to the idea of granary uh, and no massive VCs dumping on your head, 100% community distributed. Like that's a very, very big positive to me. Uh, and, and tokenomics, tokenomics matter more than almost anything in this space. And people don't pay enough attention generally to protocol tokenomics but it's a huge deal and so um you yeah, know that's that's uh, that's that's my spiel
0: let's go let's go all right what else do we got man we really we really honked it out today dude we? hour and 17 really minutes on the
2: daily show goodness gracious corball um, are you
0: drunk yet reading children's books no i telling you that's a winning yet. idea for youtube man winning yeah. idea
2: uh there was a request to talk about the new
0: liquid driver um dude Let's wrap about it, man. Real quick, real quick. So one, so I, I picture phantom tokens as being kind of like Gen 1, Gen 2, right? Like equalizer, uh, you know, MPX. Those are kind of like your Gen 2 coins. And then you've got, you know, Spirit, Boo, Beats, Liquid Driver. Those are kind of your Gen 1. Gen 1 hasn't been moving very well. I mean, let's just call that what it is. They haven't really moved that great. It's not to say that they won't but but your gen 2 tokens have been the w- ones that are on like the new hype train and but liquid driver man and this is a team i just absolutely love um we've gotten you know over the last couple years we've gotten super close to dr liquid i got i've gotten to meet him in person like we've hung out we've spent a lot of time and this is just a an amazing team and if you need any reference to that go look at what they did with thena right absolutely amazing decks over on on bsc so a lot of us, myself included, locked a shitload of liquid driver back when you were first able to do it. This is back when the VE curve model was popping and all of us thought this was a great idea to lock liquid driver tokens or spirit or whatever tokens. But that that is the one instance of locking a token that has actually been profitable for me and it's about to get way 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 more profitable because they went super multi-chain Right. So they're on BNB. They're going to Kava. They're going to Optimism. They're going to um, Arbitrum. They're going to freaking wherever. I don't have the tweet in front of me. But what's going to happen is anyone that locked up the LQDR token is going to get paid on every single chain. Right. So I'm getting daily rewards on Phantom. I'm also getting rewards on BNB, which are not, they're not small. And then there's going to be rewards on every single chain moving forward. Um, This is a Gen 1 token that I still hold that I really believe in, uh, just based on the team that's behind it. And the great thing about this, like worst case scenario, if it just holds value, you can farm the shit out of this on pretty much every single chain because Dr. Liquid is out there bribing every Solidly fork for high APRs right now. So give them a look. If, if you haven't looked at Liquid Driver in a while, give them a look. The market cap seems to be pretty low. I think it's around 5 million right now or somewhere in there. And, and emissions are basically coming to a close. Like lqdr emissions are about to almost stop yep and and their relationship to athena
2: is going to play a big you know in the next run it's gonna it's going to end up circling back to play a huge role i think for uh for rewards for liquid driver lockers but there's a new liquid driver token it's it's the migration from x liquid driver to I, i don't i forget the name that's that was the direct question austin but you just explained why there's a new
0: token it's just multi ex-liquid driver mxlqdr that's it that's it all right let's let's wrap this up decentralized i don't know what token you're trying to shill me i don't know what nexa is but uh feel free to dm me pal i'm always i'm always down for a good shill. let's get the hell out of here boys my name's austin with block bites with me as always mr crypto clay the ever eloquent and swagful corvall (laughs) and we are gonna get out of here mikey take us home brother
1: see y'all fellas see
2: you tomorrow